0: you ever want to know what's going on in the real estate market from somebody who's actually in it not just national headlines or news channels that just want to stoke fear but what's really actually going on and how do things kind of operate in the real estate world well you found the right spot i'm michelle Blogel and this is the realtor lady And I will tell you everything you want to know about real estate from my perspective here where I sit in Santa Cruz, California. So tell your friends you can't talk right now because you are with The Realtor Lady. Hi there, welcome back. It's The Realtor Lady, Michelle Replogle. And today I have a special guest, Roxanne Olson of Fine Point Law. And I found Roxanne in the newspaper you know, that paper thing you get delivered to your house, which I still love, even though it's very expensive. I love it. And there was a little ad and her ad said, trust equals love. And I love that. I will be doing more segments this year about the importance of trust and estate planning from my little lofty uh, space here at real estate. I'm not an attorney, so I wanted to get professional on to go over some of this for you to help you understand what a trust is, what it does, why it's important, and we will then end up with will versus trust like why would you want to do one or the other? And I'm going to turn it over to Roxanne and if you're feel free to tell us a little bit about yourself and then move right into what a trust is and we'll go from there. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm glad that we're talking about this. It's a really important topic. So many people, I would say, I don't know the exact numbers, but I, if, I've heard it's in the 60s and 70s percent of people don't have any kind of planning done. It's very high. So it's really... That's, many that's way too high. Planning. Yeah, many people that have planning, um, it's um, out of date. And they haven't looked at it again. We, you know, I always recommend at least every three years you look at it to see if your, um, okay. you know, if your okay. assets have changed, if the people you named have changed, have they died, have they moved away, and if your, um, and if the law has changed, because we're writing legal documents and the law changes. So my background is that I. I did very well academically. I was you know, second in my class high school. I was Phi Beta Kappa undergrad. I was magna cum laude, top 7% of my law school class. And when you do that well, you get kind of shoved into the top tier of the legal profession, really, which is going to court and fighting it out for your clients. And i think had gone to law school because I wanted to help people. This was my, my idea. I want to be part of the community, be a help. And I quickly Mm -hmm. found that litigation, the litigation process was took so long. It was so expensive. There was, you know, a basic conflict of interest and that I was being paid by the minute. And so the incentive to settle is, you know, is not there necessarily for the lawyer being paid by the minute billable hour requirements by the law firm. And um, I just saw that even when my clients were winning, they were losing in terms of heartache and time and stress. Mm -hmm. And so, and the other thing is that, you know, you start off fighting for something real like money and pretty soon you're fighting for motions to quash subpoenas. You're having 10 more things to fight about. And when it's a relationship like a siblings who need to continue, Mm -hmm. ideally continue their relationship, even after that lawsuit, it can just destroy the relationship. So I decided uh, right around the time I had my first child, I decided that I wanted to actually use my, you know, kind of how um, a thing of what am I doing to improve the world for my child here, right? How am I making the world a better place? I have... I have uh, blessed with these skills and I decided that what I wanted to do was get into preventative law, keep families out of court, out of conflict. And that's, you know, fairly soon after that, I opened up my own law firm and I decided to focus on this preventative law idea. And I got into estate planning from that perspective. We're not just creating documents for people. We are helping families stay out of court. And with that perspective, you actually, you know, it took a few years. At first, I was doing it exactly how they teach you to do it in law school. But it took a few years before I really realized that the way that they taught us to do estate planning and estate planning, by the way, is the will, the trust, the power of attorney, just all of those basic things. A lot of people think it's only for rich people because of the word estate but it's um it's for everybody it's a, it's just it just means a document so the way they teach you in law school to do it is like a one-off transaction you go into the lawyer you say i want a will or i want a trust they you know they write it all out for you you sign you go home you put it on a shelf you check the box and you think you're done and the, and there's no follow up from that lawyer there's no ongoing relationship necessarily it was you paid and now you're and now you're on your own um what happens is that those documents go out of date as i was saying earlier they go out of date with your assets people buy a house they sell a house they go out of date with the, with the people you've named people will name ex-husbands or their best friend who has now died or moved to Europe and then they go out of date with the law. Tax law changes all the time, especially when you've got a, you know, we just had that big Prop 19 tax law change to property taxes, which I'm sure is it really affected your, you know, your um, work okay. in real estate. And, and when the law changes, those documents need to be relooked at. So I implemented a free three-year review for any client that I work with, and then also an annual review for people that have a lot going on, people who are real estate investors, and they're buying, they're selling, that sort of thing. We do an annual review, or we do a three-year review, just a quick check-in, doesn't have to be a big thing. But what I don't want is that ticking time bomb on the shelf where you think you have something and you don't. And what we're seeing now, because the baby boomers are aging to the point where they, um, you know, with incapacity and death, we're seeing a surge of people who got their trust done years ago. And because a trust is like a garage and it only protects what's in it, we are having to go to court anyway because they have trust, but they don't have all their assets in the trust. And so we're seeing just this surge of having to tell families, sorry, we know mom and dad pay thousands of dollars, but um, we still have to go to court because there's a, all these assets outside of the trust. Um, so I think um, I, I think uh, making sure that there's a, a trusted advisor relationship long term with the family. And the other thing that I had to do as a sort of my own shift around that was because is I had to give up law office of Roxanne Olson, even though I loved it and it made my ego feel good. And become fine point law so that and hire another attorney and become a, a larger firm because I need something that my clients can have as a trusted advisor throughout their lives.
0: I, I'm going to be calling you for an appointment already. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's start with what a what a I mean that's I love that. That's actually the overarching idea of what trusts do basically keep you out of court. But what what does the actual uh document itself does? And that might be a little complicated. So whatever um simple version you have to yeah. help no, people I, understand. Because yeah. you are right about people thinking it's only for rich people. And I do sit across from people who are buying homes and I say, okay, now it's time to get a trust. And I never really have a good why for them. I just know that they should. Yeah, And I don't have a, we're at a busy place, just a quick snippet of why it's important. So it might be good to start where it is and then why, why maybe a simple why. If there is. Yeah. I think
1: that, I think a simple why is, and I, I like to use the image of the little red wagon, you know, those radio flyer wagons. So right now, you know, if you're walking down the path of life and you are holding all of your assets in your hands, I mean, you own them, the bank account has your name on it, the house has your name on it, and then you stumble and fall, things are going to roll in different ways. So the house, because it is going to be worth more than the minimum to not have to go through probate, is going to have to go through a court process called probate. That court process, and I should say, if you die, if you become incapacitated, the court process is called a conservatorship. But in either case, whether you're incapacitated or whether you die, um, that court process is set up to benefit any possible creditor that you might have, anyone that you might owe money to. So they purposely make it a very slow process, and they purposely make it a public process, so that any possible person out in the world that might think you owe money has plenty of notice and opportunity to come into court and make their claims before your family can get at the assets. So a really fast probate where no creditors actually show up and no one's fighting and everyone's, everything goes as smoothly as it can still takes about a year. And those, and that's mm-hmm. when the assets are locked up because you can't get at them unless you ask the judge special permission. It's a whole thing, and there's so many different fees and costs associated with it that it averages to be about five percent of the, um, you know, of your total assets. And we're a lot of people in California with real estate, which is why it's so great that you're telling your real estate purchase, you know, someone who's purchasing a house about this, is because. When they're calculating that percentage of how much you have to pay based on your total assets, they are calculating it on market value. So you if you own a million-dollar house, but you owe $500,000, they're counting it as a million-dollar house when they're determining how much you have to pay for probate. So
0: oh. Not- Oh,
1: not on the, wow, value, but on the market value. So what I have seen and what, you know, a lot of lawyers have seen is families having to sell their homes in the probate process because they don't have enough liquid assets to pay these large amounts. And, um, and I think, you know, you as a realtor are in on this, but a lot of the public doesn't, um, doesn't realize that there's a whole industry around showing up to probate's and seeing if you can get a cheap house because the families are having to sell them under a fire sale situation to pay the probate fees. So they don't get to make sure that, you know, prep the house, sell it in the best time of year to sell it. They don't get to make those choices. So there's this whole industry around preying on the families who are forced to sell the homes. And it's it's sad. And so oh. any people who are seeing, you know, have heard stories about that there what they're wanting to do is set up a trust so a trust is a private document that can be administered in the privacy of the lawyer's house no nobody in the public gets to have access to seeing the trust unlike over in probate when it's a public thing and everybody gets to know who's inheriting what and exactly all you know what it's what where the money's flowing and all of that and gets to offer people one-time opportunities that they just aren't going to be able to turn down if they just got an inheritance or, you know, offered by the house. And, um, but but a trust, I, I think a common misunderstanding is that a trust is something that isn't going to cost any money at the end or not need any administration. It does need some administration. There will be some costs at death, but it's all in the privacy of the lawyer's office and not public in the court. And it can go much quicker.
0: I think you just said the, um, the uh, lottery word or the the money word for people is privacy. Yeah. I think that's really it because I have worked with families that have really wanted to make sure nobody knew what was going on in their family and friends. And some of them had trusts and some of them didn't. And the ones that didn't, yeah, it became, everybody knew what was going on.
1: Yeah. And what's really sad is what I was alluding to is that when you've got maybe a young person inheriting a large amount of money and it's in the public knowledge, you know, there is an industry around trying to give them opportunities to
0: part with their money. Wow. Yeah. I, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, because it's public. So it's basically a document that would spell out What is to happen when they when the trustees pass away, or what would be the back to my radio? Kind of like like a map, right? Or a yeah,
1: yes, yes, and and like um, I was saying with the radio flyer. So if you if you've got your little red wagon and that's your trust, and you have everything in it, then um, then you're walking down the path of life, and you stumble, and you've got someone set up to just take your same wagon with all your stuff down the plan that you have. So the idea is that a trust is going to have a plan and it's going to have a lot of contingency plans built in, such as I'm giving my assets Mm. to this person, but if they don't survive me, then it goes to this other person. Or I'm giving my assets to this charity, but if it doesn't exist anymore, then it goes to charities of similar type. So it has all these contingencies built in. And um, and what I do because the trusts are written in legalese, you want them to be understood by lawyers and judges if they ever have to be argued in court. But I always create a full, you know, it's like a full fold-out map, just exactly how you're saying map, showing the trust. Wow. And um, and that's something else that I have started doing as I realize that you know a trust. Only works if the clients really understand what the plan is. They can't stay on the plan if they don't get it. So I put a lot of energy into educating. I actually have, bring everybody in for an education meeting first. Without before they even hire me, I bring them in for what I call a legacy planning session where I'm educating them because oh I my really gosh, believe I love that this. whether they end up hiring me or going out and hiring somebody else, they need to understand. What it is that their plan is, or they won't stay on it.
0: So, I just had an epiphany when you said that have everybody in. Um, I'm going to use myself as an example, but f- families would be better served really taking the person with them that they want to take over, which would be our son, our adult son, actually attending a meeting and having an idea of what goes on. Because I envision him. Having something happen to one or both of us, and him looking at this binder and going, "Okay, what does this mean?" Yeah. They're in the hospital. They're, you know, they're incapacitated. We, do, I, I believe we have a, um, um, a medical directive, but I don't know. Maybe it's not written right. But anyway, I just imagine him sitting there with this binder, going, uh, uh, "Okay, uh, what page? You know, what do I do with this? Now mm-hmm. I have these people with these assets, and yeah, I'm, you know, and I need." And I need
1: There's a quite a lot of very well-meaning, and I'm, I don't know if this is sexist to say, but I'm just saying like the very well-meaning eldest son type person who, and it can be an eldest daughter too, who gets saddled with that and doesn't know what to do and doesn't know who to reach out to and attempts to do everything themselves and then can fall into some really easy potholes. One of the things that you're probably aware of in real estate is that that parent-child exemption where you can pass your low real estate taxes to your child is not automatic. It requires applying for it. And,
0: um, right.
1: and you have to apply for it pretty quickly within three years. And, and what I get in my office is you know, the eldest child who was assigned to be the trustee, the successor trustee they take over, they didn't really know what, what they were doing. And now they've got this huge, big tax bill because, um, mm. and you know, because you know, that the, the assessor is allowed to take five years before they get around to it. And then they send you that nice fat back tax bill. And by then your you know, your chance to apply for the exemption has expired. So there's a lot of little potholes that happen. So the thing that I do is, um, and, and because I'm seeing this, so I actually do reach out to the successor trustees right away. I, I do what I call my inner circle program. So it's not just the successor trustees, but it's all the people that you've named as part of your, your inner circle. And, um, and we reach out and we let them know. We don't give them the, the terms of the documents because you're allowed to change the documents. We don't want people to get too attached. But we let them know that they've been named and that they could, you know, reach out to you and ask you where, where it's located. So that's a thing that comes <laughs> up, right? Where is that? Where's that will? And, um, and then the other thing I do is so they, you know, so i have connected with them. And then in the binder, like I said, I do a full fold out, you know, multi-color spreadsheet of exactly what's going on. I also do a paragraph by paragraph layperson translation of the trust document so that they have that. Um, and then I have a, you know, a whole cover page that in, that says to letter to the successor trustee. You know this is these are the steps. And I highly recommend that anybody whose name as a successor trustee does go in for an at least a educational appointment with a lawyer. To understand what the roadmap is, because like I said, there are lots of potholes and and they can be very expensive.
0: I think, um, yeah, and the and the part we're not really touching on, which is so important, and this is where I usually come in, is where I have a grieving family member, and they can't actually cope with finding somebody to, like, they know they they have a copy of the trust. Most all family members I come across to have a copy of it and quite a few of them understand it and know what their, their, their role is. But some of them are grief stricken and they cannot cope with, with dealing with it. And then they don't understand it. And so I get in this position where I'm selling their house and I have the title company explaining it to them, you know, because they're just, so overwhelmed. We can't get them to go hire an attorney or find the attorney. Luckily for me, I've been able to convince them midway to find either their family attorney or an attorney, you know, midway. But there's that emotional factor that we get into why the trust is so important too, because that roadmap is there for them because they may not be emotionally um, ready to deal with some of the stuff that's going to come at them. At least they have this plan or this this is how it should go
1: I do have I have a lot of free resources on my website at fine point law and one of them is successor trustee handbook which I I put out there for the you know just for the people because I want I want at least the basics to be available for everybody and the other thing that I do is for the um, administration clients I charge a fee for them to come, but then I apply that fee to any work that they may want to hire me for later. And so um, just with the idea that they uh, trying to encourage people to at least get educated, at least go to the initial education meeting and, and get their own roadmap set up. It's, it's a big thing that I say. So I'm a parent and I really relate to this idea of don't leave a mess. You know, you're in the kitchen, you clean up before you leave. Don't leave a mess. And so, and that's a big reason what you're saying is we don't want to leave a mess for people that are grieving. You know, that's the last thing. They need at that time some some, um, things to be as simple and straightforward as possible. And so when you've done a comprehensive plan, you have set things up. To be as simple and straightforward as possible. And another big layer that we haven't gotten to that I think is, is critical is a more base layer, even under all the documents, and that is organization, organizing your mm-hmm. financial closet. People have so many different assets these days. They go online and they open some bank account, some, you know, E-Trade type of account online, or they go buy some Bitcoin or they, go to the, they switch banks and go to a new bank and, or they get a job and have a 401k and then they leave that job and it rolls over to an IRA somewhere and they end up with a mess of different stuff at different, and, and most people don't have one place where they have organized everything and also kept track of how it's owned. Is this owned? Is this in the trust? Like I said, trust is a garage. It only protects what's in it. Is this owned by the trust? Is this account owned by the trust? Is this, you know, life insurance policy set up to pay into a trust? Just going through. So, wh- what I do with my clients is I do a base layer of organization, and I've worked for years on creating a spreadsheet that I love for this, of making sure that we know where everything is, what everything is, and how it's owned, and also whether it's community or separate property, because California is community property state, and <clears throat> And another big reason for that is because if, you're, you know, if your child, your son who's trying to take over doesn't know every single thing, things get lost. We just hit $10 billion in the California State Department of Unclaimed Property. That's just lost assets in California because you know, most of the time it's because someone became incapacitated or died and they were the person in the family that knew where everything was. And the other, you know, often in a relationship, in a marriage or in a family, there's one person who's kind of keeping mental track of it all. And, um, and if, and so, and just the way our society is created, there isn't somebody that usually helps people put everything on a spreadsheet and keep organized. Lots of times your financial advisor is only doing things that they're managing and your lawyer's only doing the real estate. Um, So I've decided that, As an estate planning attorney that wants to be holistic and thorough, that's my first step with everybody. And even before we're choosing between a will or a trust-based plan.
0: I also heard another few points in there too. Um, There's a couple other things. Our society, uh, we're taught not to talk about our wealth and that's considered showing off even maybe in a more formal relationship with your children. of kind of really trying to maybe explain your assets in a way like, uh, well, this is what how we got to take care of them, and but you don't want to overarch how much you might have. Maybe your your adult children, you might feel like they would want to get at those assets before you pass away. So there's that piece of that. Mm-hmm. The other part of it, unfortunately, I think is still very pre- prevalent is sexism where. There is a patriarch that does not want everybody else to know or feel that they're fit and able to understand uh, these assets that they have, or they're going to take care of them. And then the last one is mortality. And I, what I run into more is people. I feel like when I'm talking to older people, I feel like they've like, I am touching on them dying someday and they don't want to talk about that. And and I don't see it that way. I see it like you have it as organizing and place. It's just like one other thing. It's like organizing your garage. You're just organizing your finances. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other things that come and attach to that. And that's unfortunate. That that's just really unfortunate. I think that's part of my my year-long pushing at this is maybe trying to bust through that and help people understand through education of no, that's really not that. It's it's just being really prepared and making things easier for for that the people who come across it later on, I, I did a few last year that were barely straightforward, but they were, it would have been better if they were trusts and not wills. Mm-hmm. The wills made it definitely more complicated and there was more people involved and uh, the uh, beneficiaries were not happy and they didn't think that that, that person should have been, in charge of everything. So there you know there was some uncomfortableness that that came out of that. Um but but tell us about why um wills really aren't ideal. In my opinion they aren't, but maybe you maybe you can bust that myth for me too and and talk about wills versus trusts.
1: Yeah, so a will is instructions to a judge in a probate. And sometimes people think, oh, a will is also a private document, but but it's not. So a will is you lodge it with the court when you do a probate and it gives the judge's instructions. This, by the way, is much better than having no will, because if you have <laughs> no will, then the judge just has to make decisions based on the law. So your assets go to, you know, where it's supposed to go according to the law as default, it may not be at, at all what you wanted. And if you left a, a minor child, the judge just has to, you know, the judge doesn't know you, doesn't, doesn't know the child, doesn't know your family, and they just have to make a decision. And so, and, and it may be good or it may not be good. And, um, but if you have a will, you've left instructions where you want your assets to go, who you want caring for your child. Um, it's much better than not having a will, (laughs) I'd say. Um, The the thing is, is that it doesn't avoid probate, it doesn't avoid court, and it is a public document. Anybody can read it. I love, sometimes when I'm giving these talks, I'll bring up the will of Jackie Kennedy Onassis or, you know, some other famous person, and I'll say, look, you can see, you know, who they loved and how much money everybody got because it's right there on the will. These are public documents. And- um, She never
0: did a trust?
1: Um, there may have also been a trust, but there was definitely a will that got publicly probated. Yeah. There it was. And we can all see it. You can just Google it and pull it up if you want. And uh, I always
0: thought of her as very organized and very.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, she was organized enough to have a will for sure. And, and there's quite a lot of people that aren't, you know, that don't have a will. And so, Um, So that's the decision, one of the decisions you're trying to make when you are trying to decide, do I want a will-based plan or do I want a trust-based plan? A will-based plan is going to go through the public court system. It's um, probably going to cost quite a lot of money going through the public court system if you have a lot of assets. If you don't have a lot of assets, and and especially if you don't own any real estate, um, there is... a Right now, they change it every year, but it's right around one hundred and sixty thousand. So, if your total assets are less than one hundred and sixty thousand, um, we can do a shorter process. But I will say, you know, we also do a shorter process when it's called a spousal probate when you're just transferring property from one spouse to the other. And to give you an example of what shorter means in the court system, I helped <laughs> I helped a wife recently get the other the second half of the home she owned with her husband and it still took it still took about 4 months before we were able to get it processed through the court system so that's the quick short one of just getting just the only thing was just the second half of her own home <laughs> so
0: frustrating but it's it's a slow slow process so there's Better privacy with a trust. It it will be quicker. It'll be more streamlined, and uh, will be easier on the heirs to to manage.
1: Yeah, That's yeah. Not here. just better privacy. There's absolute privacy with trust. Trusts are private, private documents, and there's absolute pub. It's absolutely public when you go will. There's no no privacy whatsoever. It's purposely public. They're going to have to put a notice in the newspaper with the probate and the will. So on a trust, it's a, a private document. Nobody ever knows about it.
0: That's fascinating. I don't think people understand that. And they've, they've passed away. So they're not going to tell their neighbor not to do it. You know, there's their name and all their information in the paper Mm -hmm. telling who, you know, because I've had it happen where I have my, my client and then um, everybody is all laid out and um, who's on the will. And then, his name would be there. Well, all the family members are watching all this go on too, and they might feel that they have a piece. So they might be coming after them as well. I mean that, that mm-hmm. now it's just out on display, especially for larger families. That could be a problem if they're not part of that will. And they really aren't entitled to anything, but they could see that they might feel they, they are entitled. You
1: know, for um, increasing conflict that I feel like the, the court process, like I said, even when it goes smoothly, it goes slowly and it's expensive. And so there's a, a loss of money to the family just that way. So it could just increase the tension and any little conflict between the family can really boil up during a slow, expensive process. Um, while, you know, in in the private sphere, over in the trust, when we're administering a trust and we if we can see some families start to boil up, we can, we go right in. I love bringing in a mediator, you know, to help just really smooth that out. And I also, you know, I also, like I said, spend a lot of time educating everybody. I think that's so important. Sometimes it's just a little education, but also the fact that we're not in a court process at all, I think calms everybody down. Just, just having that, it can go much faster. People get their, you know, get their inheritance much faster, um, and that's another reason I would say to have a, a lawyer assist you to administer the trust, because there are required notices that need to go out, and and where I see conflict come up over on the trust side is because it's private, and um and sometimes these children's successor trustees don't have a lawyer advising them. They may not be giving all of the required notices to the other heirs. And if they're not doing Uh, that, then this, then the other heir says, you know, they don't understand why it's taking so long to get their money and they start, start not, you know, losing their trust. And, um, And what, so when you're working with a lawyer, we're definitely clear with you on what your required notices are, what your required accountings are, and we make sure we get ahead of that so that all of the other siblings understand what the process is and are getting their proper notices so that they don't start, you know, questioning what's going on.
0: Well, you're not a one and done. You're a, we'll walk you through the process. I think now I'm, I'm, I'm worried about you retiring though. (laughs) Uh, I met so many trust attorneys that I'm like they're just one and done. Mine was he, 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 he built our trust and then he retired and then we interviewed a few after that. And honestly, I can say I, I, I did not think that they were for us and I didn't feel like they had our best interests in mind. So I hope you have some plans for retiring that you have people replacing you to keep walking them through this great process.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it is. Um, I feel like it's a dirty secret in our industry. If you are in the, you know, for example, the Santa Cruz Bar Association, and you're getting their emails, I, almost once a month, we get emails saying, you know, so and so is looking for their mom's trust, this, you know, the lawyer retired or, you know, died, and, and nobody knows where it is, you know, did anyone and, you know, get his files when he left, there's, and um, there's, that happens very frequently. It's going to increase even more, like I said, as the as the large population of baby boomers age, and um, and it was something that I really had to had to face. I felt like I had to face it because I saw that, and I saw that I'm you know I'm having my clients face their own incapac- possible of incapacity or death every mm-hmm. day, so I need to also think about that for myself, really, to be congruent. And that's, like I said, when I switched from law office of Roxanne Olson to Fine Point Law, because it can't just be about my ego and what's the name on the door. It has to be something for the clients to be able to rely on. And, um, and I was really lucky. I got a, an associate attorney who was right out of law school. So I got to train her the right way. Brenda Darcy, Boy. she's since grown to be a junior partner. We, she's been with me about four years now and um and i also tend to hire i always have um interns that are from law school and i tend to hire people who um the other all of the women um who work for me right now are considering going to law school so I, so i do i am really trying to have a future for um for my clients because i don't want that and i see it it's so common it's so common
0: i um Took a class on uh, probate and trust through the California Association of Realtors, and I loved it so much. I told my husband, "I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to law school." He's like, "No, no, because I'm always, I'm always in projects. I always love to learn and do new things." He's like, "No, no, no, <laughs> you just stick with what you're doing." But I, I'm a fan of it because I think it's super important, and I love learning about it. And um, this has just been so helpful. I want to add in one more thing about the wills too that might get lost is that because the will may take so long through probate, you may actually lose market value. And I am starting to see that because our market is shifting. We don't see a huge drop in values, but trust may allow you to go grab that market that you feel is advantageous to the estate where the will may have you wait and you might find yourself... Um, you might actually find yourself in a legal position to sell it at really an inopportune time too. So that's that's kind of important for people to understand too. It really takes away a lot of the autonomy of the estate to take advantage of uh, market forces or maybe some other um, possibility that would work better for the estate.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's um, what I was saying about the fire sale. You have to sometimes you have to just sell or you can't sell, right. and you just yeah, right. you don't get to have all of those choices. You have a, you have to get things approved through a judge, and you, you can't even get in front of the judge to ask him for another nine weeks. You know, by the time they get you in for a hearing,
0: right? Yeah, it's interesting what we learned from just actually. I you know, not an attorney, but what I've learned just kind of being out in the trenches, and so much so much of it I've just kind of learned the hard way, really, along with families. So I'm my that's my intention to make things easier for people and their families.
1: Yeah, really um, great. Um, I would say one other area where you could help your clients is to make sure that if they're confused about how they should be owning property, whether they should be owning it, especially married couples, shall we own this as community property or as joint tenants, you know, make sure that they, give me a call just like a 15 minute call just to just understand the differences between those things because um, those, it is a very big difference and, uh, and way too many families come in and I see they're set up in a, a, in a pretty poor tax position. Their family's going to pay more in taxes or they're going to have to pay more in taxes because of the way they are owning title. So oftentimes that, just kind of gets decided off the cuff, you know, at the, at the Mm -hmm. during escrow or something. And, um, and it's actually a really important decision.
0: It is. And, um, for the longest time before gay marriage was legal, it was, it was very stressful for me when I had families buying houses together and I was concerned how their assets were being protected In my opinion, from family members that I didn't think had their best interests in mind, Mm -hmm. so some of the laws that have come along have made it a little less stressful for me. If I couldn't get them to go to an attorney, at least um, talk to someone else to get them some advice, so they could, you know, again, just the vesting, even um, you know, just to get that proper, so their their assets were protected if something should happen to their partner. Mm -hmm. Well, I really, really thank you for being on. This was so amazing. I. There's so much to think about, but I you know, I think my big takeaway for the will is privacy. And I think that's what people really, really value over so many other things, even maybe the assets themselves so is really just privacy for them and their family. And honestly, I never I never knew that aspect of that. So I If if nothing else, if somebody listened to this and they came away with that big takeaway about why you should get a trust, that's it. And I'm so excited because that's why I wanted to have you on. I knew I was going to learn something big. So this is a really, really cool. I'm hoping maybe you can come on again in a few months and we'll find some other topic that's so important for people to learn. But this is a great starter pod for people to get their heads wrapped around their assets and how to protect them.
1: Wonderful. Thank you for having me. So how do people find you?
0: or your law firm.
1: Yeah, we are at www.finepointlaw.com. And like I said, we have a lot of free resources on there. So it's worth just going and take advantage, download whatever you want. I also have a 45 minute um, webinar that you can watch and I try to make it funny. So it's not so sad and terrible. It was I think about your own death, but, um, <laughs> but, I, but I do offer that and you can just watch that. Whenever you want and, and learn about the different types of documents you might need, like a will, trust, powers of attorney, all of that, guardianship nomination. And and I also my email is hello at finepointlaw.com. And phone number is 831-471-5293. We offer free 15-minute calls. You can go right online and book one and uh, okay. see, if, see if we're a fit for you.
0: Well, I'm going to, I'm excited. Okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Hey, it's the realtor lady, Michelle Rupp Is there a subject you would like me to explore in real estate or maybe about Santa Cruz? feel free to contact me. I'd love to hear from you. Or if you'd like me to help you buy or sell real estate, that's also something that I do. You can contact me on Instagram, Live the Santa Cruz Life, or on my website, michellesellsforyou.com. That's with one L. My Facebook page, Live the Santa Cruz Life as well. Or check out my YouTube channel, Live the Santa Cruz Life with Michelle Rupp Logal, And my email, michelle at michellesellsforyou.com. I would love to hear from you.